So as a follower of Jesus, I believe this mm, culturally crazy thing that not only did Jesus of Nazareth rise from the grave, from the dead by the power of God, but that his resurrection is the down payment from God, the foretaste of things to come, that not only is Jesus alive, but that his life means that the whole world, the whole creation, will come back to life and be renewed as it was meant to be, even greater and more beautiful than when it was first created, because it has been healed by its brokenness, and Jesus is the forerunner and the first one in line to signal that. What happened to Jesus is coming for those who follow in his footsteps. What happened to Jesus, if you believe in him, is coming for you. God is going to make you new. It started on Easter morning and spread from just Jesus, it started with a woman named Mary Magdalene. Here's what the Gospel of John, chapter 20, says about her. Mary was standing outside of the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked inside the tomb. What do you think Mary was expecting to see? 2,000 years ago on Easter morning. Expecting to see Jesus inside that tomb? Wrapped up in a burial shroud, long strips of linen? The gospel tells us that Jesus was buried according to Jewish religious customs. They did not embalm people. Jesus was wrapped up with 75 pounds. I mean, a small person's size worth of Myrrh and aloes. That's what Mary expected to see. Here's what she actually saw. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And these angels spoke, Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her, and if you would be the voice of Mary Magdalene this morning, then Mary replied, because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. Many of us in this room have lost somebody or something, and we are familiar with what Mary was familiar with on this first Easter morning, which is the shock, which is in the front end of the grief process. I remember it well. Last 10 years, I've lost both of my parents. God gives, through human nature, an extra supernatural gift in the front end of losing someone who's dearly loved. My testimony is I had a special grace for four days, five days, maybe an entire week. An energy that buoyed me. I don't know how I talked to those hundreds and thousands of people, how I stood in lines for a long time, how I felt as hopeful and peaceful as I did, but often there is a wave of like shock. Like I I can hardly remember how the time passed. Mary on this morning would have been in this state of fresh grief shock. I can't believe what happened. I can't believe Jesus was gone. I'm going to the tomb. And now on top of this shock of grief, there's the shock of 
what happened? How can I take my next step of grief if the body of the teacher, the Lord who I've been following is no longer here? She is so deep in this shock. Maybe her tears are so thick that it seems like she does not detect the presence of two angels, right, standing right in front of her. If you have been through the shock of grief, maybe you can relate to this, that something significant happened right in front of your face and you just did not have the capacity to see it, what was happening right there. Two angels. Mary doesn't know. She just knows, I want to honor Jesus and he's gone. There is no body, but there are two somebodies there, right? They are messengers from God, and there's this little detail um, that they are dressed in white. Did anybody get new clothes this Easter? Kids? My mom used to dress me up. She had five kids. We all got new Easter clothes. Awesome. If you got an Easter dress, um, some of us are wearing a little more colorful things on this Easter Sunday um, after a long season and the season of Lent. It is no accident, I think, that the gospel mentions clothes a number of times in this passage. And again, Mary cannot see, I don't know how white, how bright these angelic white robes are, but it did not dawn on her that there are these two remarkable messengers dressed all in white at this point. I want to go back for just a moment and remember what clothes Jesus could have, should have been wearing. This is what the gospel says just a few verses earlier. This is when the disciples got to the tomb. The disciple John stooped in and looked and saw Jesus' linen wrappings lying there, his death clothes, but John didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he noticed Jesus' clothes, those linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart on the side. Interesting clothing detail, no? Then the disciple who reached the tomb first, John, also went in and he saw and believed. Something about the clothes helped John believe. Now, what was his head covering? Jesus died on a cross, and what would have happened is when his body came down from the cross out of respect for the dead, his head would have been covered. I mean, as far as I can tell, in human culture, every culture does this, covers the face, closes the eyes of a person immediately following their death. When Jesus rose from the dead, his death clothes are lying there, and the thing that first went over his head is folded up neatly and is lying to the side. Who do you think folded that death head cover neatly and put it over on the side? I think Jesus did that. <laughs> we don't have a description of what Jesus' first breath was like, what his first thought was, but when the power of God returned him to life, one of his first actions was to take this symbol of death, the cover of his face, and to say, death, you no longer have any coverage over me or mine. And as simple as that, he folded it up neatly 
and put it to the side. And just that little detail for one of his disciples was to see that and think, oh my, I believe it. It took Mary a little while longer. Here's what John's gospel says next about her. Mary turned to leave, again, turning her back on two angels, and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Again, her grief, her tears, so weighty and thick that she is not able to perceive the reality of realities. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Mary thought he was the gardener. This is why landscaping is the most noble of professions, by the way. As a former landscaper myself, like amazing. Again, Mary's grief, it can't, who, it's just someone taking care of this place, the garden where the tombs are. And then Mary said, almost the same words if you would repeat them. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary knows that the right expression for her grief needs to honor Jesus' dead body. That is her mission on this Easter Sunday morning. I would like to know what Jesus is wearing at this moment, by the way. The gospel does not give us this detail. But if angels are dressed in bright white and Jesus is infinitely greater than the angels, like, I don't know, Jesus is still a person, but he's the risen son of God. And then Jesus says this, Mary, just her name, Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, teacher, the actual word in Hebrew, John's gospel tells us, Mary's native language is Rabboni. This is such a beautiful, personal, intimate detail. In just one word, one word from Jesus' mouth, even though Mary can't yet see or perceive through her tears and grief, one word the tone, the love, the affection, the familiarity from Jesus is enough to wake Mary up out of her shock and to begin to see what is totally new, that Jesus is with her. Uh, in recent years, um, there is one of the better Christian media productions that has ever existed, a show called The Chosen. And in the very first episode, uh, there is a scene um, that forecasts this. That Mary Magdalene, who had all sorts of troubles, evil spirits, is brought back home to herself when she meets Jesus of Nazareth for the first time, and he calls her by her given name, Mary, rather than the names and the insults that everyone else have had for her through the years. Some of us have accumulated some names through the years. Adjectives, insults, descriptions, failures, 
And one of the invitations on this Easter morning is to hear the voice of Jesus speak over you your true name and identity. Whether that's the name your parents gave you or not, Jesus knows your real name and identity. And one of the things that he is so eager to do on the top of his agenda, having risen from the dead, is to name you and claim you and give you your real identity in the family of God. And it only takes one word to accomplish this for Mary. If Jesus were sitting right next to you this morning and spoke your name, can you hear what would come out of his risen mouth? spoken lovingly over you today. Notice how Mary responds. She does not fall on her face in worship. That would be 100% appropriate. She does not say, my Lord and my Savior. She does not say, my Lord and my God. She does not say, my King. All of that would be true and appropriate and comes out of the mouths of others. Out of Mary's mouth comes this more familiar teacher, which is beautiful in its own way. Mary uses this more familiar word, and on behalf of all of us who are still learning from Jesus all these years later, speaks to one of Jesus' core identities that he is here to help us grow in grace. Not just to be the ruler of heaven and earth, he is that. Not just to be the risen and ascended one, he is that. Not just to be the one who is coming to judge the living and the dead, yes, he is that. But on this Easter, Jesus would have us know that he is here to teach us, to grace us, to help us grow as he is making all things new. Would you like that? Do you need more teaching and instructing? I mean, some of you are old. You haven't had enough yet? I'm getting old. I have so much good information. Quite frankly, I don't need more information. I probably have enough books. But I am still a preschooler, a little lamb, when it comes to understanding the school of God's grace and resurrection life. And God, Jesus, if you would teach me more of resurrection life. Like, that's the curriculum I want to sign up for. Amen? Mm. And then it seems Mary cannot help herself. She goes from deep grief to deep affection so quickly that she appears to grab onto Jesus. And then Jesus says this. Curious. Don't cling to me, Jesus said. Seriously? Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So we see Mary clinging on to Jesus' resurrection body, resurrection clothes, And Jesus tells her, 
it's not the moment for this. What is Jesus thinking? Um, I can only hazard a guess. However, uh, a week prior to this, Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. We had a message about this a couple weeks ago. And when Jesus, just a few miles from Jerusalem, called Lazarus forth from the tomb, again, just speaking his name, when Jesus called Lazarus forth, Lazarus came out of the tomb looking like a dead person, still wrapped up in the death clothes. Some of you remember this detail from the Gospel of John, chapter 12? I mean, kind of like a mummy, probably. Coming forth, Lazarus was a person like you, like me, and even though Jesus raised him as a sign of what was coming for him just a week later, Lazarus died again, right? So John gives us this picture that death, the close of death, were still clinging to him, even as he was granted new life. When Jesus came back from the tomb, there were no death clothes clinging to him. There were only new clothes on Jesus. He had left those behind, lying horizontal in the tomb, folded up neatly in the corner. Jesus was totally new. Now for you and for me, the invitation is to join the resurrection life of Jesus. And two things are true. We are walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and our lives are going to be more like Lazarus's while we are still here. And then it's going to be more like Jesus when we enter into real life. Do you hear that? So if you came to this Easter service and you can recognize about yourself that even though it's Easter and a day of color and joy and new life and resurrection, that there is still some death cloth hanging about your arms or legs or maybe uncomfortably uh, hanging about your neck. That's real. I love Jesus. By his spirit, his resurrection life is at work in me. And there is still some of the stink of sin and death in my life right now, in my personality, in my words, in my actions, in some of the memories that I'm still trying to forgive and shake and some of the resentments that I carry forward. There is still some death cloth. Do you know what yours are? Your wrappings that are still stuck to you? While that is real, it is only short term. Some days it feels like it's all there's going to be, this stuff that wraps us up. But it is only short term, my friends. If our life was with Jesus when he went down into the tomb, our life is also with Jesus when he rises from the dead and when he comes forth dressed in new resurrection clothes. And those same clothes are going to be gifted and granted to the likes of us. And they are going to be more beautiful than the best Easter dress that has ever been worn. They are going to be cleaner than a shirt that is just 
fresh off the rack. They are going to be so clean and beautiful and fragrant and lovely. We are not going to know what to do with ourselves because God is giving us something incredible beyond the beyond. We are mortal, yes, but Jesus is alive, and because he lives, I can walk in tomorrow. Because he lives, I too will live. Because he lives, I can say confidently, even on days where I feel defeated, that there is victory in Jesus. A final question for you on this Easter Sunday morning. Is there some portion of your Lazarus-like clothing that you would love, love, love in this life, in this week, in this year for Jesus to work on replacing, restoring, renewing, is there a part of your life where you feel like, I can't believe I'm still wearing this all these years later? Would you open yourself this morning, believing in the resurrection, believing that Jesus has the power to make all things new, that he would do that for this portion of your life, of your experience? of your behavior. Is there something there for you? I'm going to leave us just a moment uh, to reflect on that. Um, and then I'm going to invite us to be bold with some Easter boldness. And if anybody wants to speak up and make it real by saying just a couple words out loud about where you need resurrection reality, it could be one word, it can be seven words, but not more than that, okay? And you might be thinking, this could be really awkward. What if someone says something very vulnerable or personal? Uh, do you know who Jake from State Farm is? Yeah. Here's the guy who's like, you don't need to get that personal, right? We're, we're in public. The core of it can remain between you and God. Find a way to speak a word that honors the reality that you know between God. Here's my promise. When you say something out loud in the presence of God with the people of God, it invites the power and the strength and the spirit and the might of God to come through the window in your spirit in a way that does not happen when it's just let's never talk about this and keep it on the down low. Hear me? This is not for everybody, but if the Holy Spirit moves you to do this, please, as a witness to the resurrection, I'm going to leave us 30 seconds to be quiet. I will go first. Whoever wants to speak up, feel free after that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your resurrection that makes all things new, including the likes of us.
invite you to renew the relationship between me and one of my oldest best friends, which is a wreck right now. spoken and from our hearts. Bring the power of your resurrection to bear in a way that honors you and points to you. We glorify you, Lord Jesus, and everybody says, amen. With whatever came into your mind and spirit, I invite you to hold that. We're going to sing a final song together. I invite you to stand and lift up your voice.